0: To the solo bg podcast in this podcast we talk about solo and cooperative games we also bring you news audio unboxings kickstarter updates and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry we hope you enjoy this episode and now here's your host derek rodriguez we
1: are here live in another episode of solo bg podcast episode 109 and if this is your first time in the podcast welcome here we talk about solo and cooperative board games sometimes we talk about competitive as well uh, and actually matter of fact on this episode as you probably could read on the title uh, we're going to talk about a big game that uh you know it's basically a non-solo game uh so we're going to be talking about it we're going to talk about the production and all all that that it's involved it's a game that has been on the hotness recently on everywhere, basically, in the un- uh, the board game universe. And, yeah, we brought it today to talk about it, or tonight, or this evening, depending on where are you listening to. And, uh, as always, just really quick, our social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, give us a like, follow us there. Uh, that's a big help if you want to support the show. That's the best way to do it, and, you know, as well, uh, on the different platforms where... The podcast can be streamed through uh, either Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, wherever you're listening through. If there, if you're able to, uh, you know, give us a review over there, hopefully a five star review or something like that, or if you can leave a comment, well, that's always helpful as well. Uh, we we have three games for tonight, as you probably could guess on that on the title of the episode once again. Uh, and one of them it's a big production, which is uh, Wonderland's War. Uh, we're going to save that towards the end in that way I can go a little bit more in depth about it and the other two I'm you know I'm just going to uh tell you my of course my impressions but uh they're not as big as this one so they shouldn't uh take that that much right for uh for the you know to talk about it and and yes we have uh, we have good games cool games that we're going to be approaching uh tonight uh without going any further I want to also say hi and say thanks to my good friend, Tommy Ray, because recently he sent me a copy of a nice solo game that I give it a try. I haven't had a chance to to play it as much as I want just because I've been, you know, playing other stuff and, you know, trying to bring more games to the podcast. But I'm talking about the game uh, of Black Sonata, uh, which is a solitary hidden movement and deduction game by TGG Games. Um, once again, it's a solitary game, only one player. Aged 14-year-old and it takes about 30 minutes. Uh, I want to play this game a little bit more. In that way, I can bring you a a full review of the game. But once again, to my good friend Tommy Ray, uh, he is a constant listener of the podcast, which, of course, I really appreciate it. And I sent him a a huge, huge, big hug, um, you know. And uh, he contacted me, and he asked me if I I was interested in the game, you know, because uh, he told me that he played it multiple times, that he really liked it. Uh, and that he wanted to to send me a copy, which, of course, that means the world to me because, once again, uh, all that I do here through the podcast is just, you know, for my own uh, will of trying to share this hobby with all of you amazing listeners. So thank you so much to Tommy Ray, uh, and I will definitely play Black Sonata, uh, and I will give it a try, and I will let you know my thoughts, but I'm looking forward to, to play it, like, more in-depth. I give it a couple of turns just to the other day just to give it a feeling. Uh, so, so far, it was good. Um, but yeah, I want to play it, in that way I can, I can bring it to the episode. Well, with that being said, we're in episode 109 once again. We're, we keep moving forward, and we have three games, like I mentioned already that we're going to talk about in this episode. By the way, the music that you listen, uh, like always, the music that you listen in the intro of the show, it's by Russian Cowboy, and you can find them on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, And you will hear, of course, uh, some cool music at the end of the episode. Anyway, the first game that I want to talk about tonight, it's a game that I was able to uh, purchase it on last Gen Con on uh, 2021. Uh, I bought the game over there. They include the promos and, you know, uh, cool um, chips, basically, just to to replace the cardboard that it will be included on the game. And it has one of those themes that it was really appealing to me because uh, recently, probably for the last year and a half or so, I've been very interested into mixology and more specifically to old fashions. And I know this is not a drinking podcast, but... (laughs) Uh, I've been, you know, very curious about old fashions and I actually started to try um, different bourbons and, you know, do uh, different trips to uh, 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 Kentucky, which is just a little bit southern from Indiana and trying to, you know, try different bourbons and try to learn more about the old fashions, the different techniques, uh, you know, try to perfect, I guess, my my own old fashioned style, if you want to call it, uh, you know, trying to make sure that I get fresh oranges and, you know, the the bitters and the sweets and, you know the simple syrup. Try to be, uh, you know, very measured. Or if I have, if I have to crush the, the sugar as well, sugar cubes. Try to do it like in a more traditional way. Uh, you know, different things like that. So I've been very interested in that. And then I, my this game caught my caught my eye. I'm sorry. Uh, during gen con and i'm talking about on the rocks which is a game by michael and christina petre i hope i pronounced it correctly or Pitre or petre uh and published by uh game in, conju- in conjunction to 20 uh, with 25 century games it's a one to four player uh 14 year old plus and it plays about 60 minutes they call it the happy hour why not um you know and it's a decent side box, pretty much the standard, our standard Calax box, which is what I call 12 by 12. And as you open the box, you will find different components, uh, such as, you know, some player aids, a very nice rule book, um, you know, full colored, very self-explanatory. And as soon as you start to feel the components, you actually start to appreciate the details on the game. So, for example, our boards... They almost, as they close, they look like a menu from a bar. So that's pretty cool. And they have a pretty cool design, very shiny on the back. And it says Underwalk. Now, I don't know. I would think that this is the same version that if you find it on the stores. I don't think this was a special version for Gen Con by any means. But the components and the production are very good. I'm going to talk about a little bit more about that once uh, we get down to uh, my impressions on the game. But basically, what we're going to be doing in Underbox is, well, you guessed it right. Trying to make our drinks. Trying to make the classic drinks that you probably can find on any um, uh, restaurant bar. And uh, was, as I was talking to, through the rule book, uh, let me tell you right now before I keep moving forward, which I have it right here. Um, you remember when in the old old episodes, <laughs> I start to do everything by sections, like inside the box inboxing cover and all the stuff. Now I'm just trying to go through everything uh, and, you know, trying to comply with your feedback, which I really appreciated, where you guys told me that you actually enjoy more when I talk about two or three games during the episode instead of just one. So... We have uh, eight uh, double-sided pages, very very colorful, I'm sorry, Uh, very straightforward, um, you know, and it has nice illustrations and it's basically describing you all the cards that you're going to be playing and things like that. So uh, as well as you, as as I mentioned, as you open the the box, besides the rulebook, you have the the player boards, which, once again, they look fantastic, very sturdy. I have them here with me. They almost feel like a bar menu. And then you have um, a bunch of cards, um, you know, the very standard, I guess the standard uh, American size, I'm sorry, standard European, I guess it will be, uh, the gray ones by Game Genic, those are the leaves that I that I used uh, for this one, so very standard cards. And then you have another small ones, which they will be, I believe, mini European size, uh, and there will be four spills. Uh, you're going to have different cards, you know, in the way you can uh, prepare different drinks, such as, of course, my favorite, the old-fashioned you can also prepare some martinis, uh, some hurricanes, some high balls, and as you are trying to get those ready for your customers, well, you're gonna be trying to achieve, you know, different objectives in that way. You can get victory points. It also will include uh, four, I'm sorry, five different containers, uh, you know, soft plastic containers, um, and then also a bunch of marbles. This game is about marbles. So if you like games like. Potion, explosion or gizmos. This is gonna be a game that also uses marbles. And then I believe, I believe this was from the gen conversion, which it included uh, three different like kind of like poker chips material, uh, which uh, one has a one dollar currency, three dollar currency, and a five dollar currency. You also get uh, two uh, transparent or translucent dyes uh, because you're gonna be rolling those as you play the game. So what are we going to be doing? At the beginning of the game, you're going to be deciding how many drinks are you going to prepare for the first order. The game is going to be played through three different orders. Order number one, order number two, and then the last call. Before the bar closes, you have that last last call. Uh, So on your board, You're going to have different sections, such as, you know, uh, each uh, section for each drink. You're going to have a a section for the old-fashioned drinks, for the hurricane, for the martini, and for the highball. Also, on each section, you're going to have, like, the picture of a glass with already designated spots where you can put uh, the marbles in order to—the colors of the marbles, In that way you can prepare the drinks. And as you're guessing, this uh, has—this is a— very uh, possibly game where you're trying to accommodate different colors of marbles. You also going to have a side or a section for completed orders, uh, for discarded orders and also for the tips. And also, Another section for the complaints because, my friends, you might receive complaints from the customers, a.k.a. the other players, in that way they can try to mess you up. Also, you're going to have a very nice section uh, where you're going to be placing all your ingredients and then you can start to mix them. And also the extra ingredients um, section where you're going to have all your leftovers in that way you can use them for future drinks. So at the beginning of the game, you're gonna get, you can get up to four different rings. Once again, the ones that I just mentioned. But if you want, you can choose only three. Why? Well, you will see in a little bit. Uh, then you're gonna set up all the containers in the table, uh, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna roll the dice. And if you get an eight or a nine, well, you're gonna draw from a bag marbles. You're gonna drop eight, the number, let's say it was eight, eight marbles, and then you're gonna be placing them randomly on those containers in a clockwise manner then at that point you're going to choose one container from all those ones that you were filling up with ingredients you're going to place it up all those ingredients you're going to pour those ingredients in your in your tableau and then you're going to try to comply with the ingredients that each drink or each cocktail is demanding you for example the old-fashioned will require most of the old-fashioned will require will require six different marbles and they could be okay the two top will be green uh you know the, the ones in the middle will be uh one yellow and one white and the ones at the bottom there will be two whites and these old-fashioned we're going to call it the Saserac and it's it's uh, six is worth it six dollars right so you're trying to put those marbles in that order in you know this that same orientation as the drink that you're trying to prepare and once you have a ring filled it up you can turn that ring face up and you're gonna get a tip card which that tip card could give you could give you the opportunity of get more abilities uh, later on in the rounds or as well, you can get some uh, complaints in that way. You can place them on your opponent's boards. Um, another example will be if you get a martini, for example. The martini usually will have, will have up to six slots where you can place the marbles. But for example, this one that I have here in my hand is called the Martini Apple or Apple Tiny. Uh, and it only requires four marbles two uh, blue at the top, then on the second line, one red on the left, one white on the right. So as you're pouring those those ingredients from those containers, you're going to be placing them on your tableau, then trying to fulfill the drinks. And if you have leftovers, you can place up to three on your uh, extra ingredients slot on your tableau. At the same time, there's two different marbles that you will encounter uh, during the game besides all the other colors. And those are either black marble or gold marbles. And those are very important because as you draw one gold marble... Uh, you're going to place it on another tableau that we're going to have in the middle of the table. And that one allows you to basically draw through ingredients, any ingredients you want from the bag. So let's say you need a blue ingredient and a green ingredient. Well, at that point, you can cash in that gold marble. You place it there on the template, on the little board on the middle of the table, and you grab those two colors that you need. Now, as soon as you fill those gold marbles, they're going to go back to the bag. Uh, you know, to a drawing bag with any black marbles. Now, what are the black marbles? Well, this is where the things get interesting. If you grab a container that has a black marble, the same thing as the gold one, you're going to place it on the main um, tableau on the board. But that's going to make you get a spill. It's like you're spilling your drink. And at that point, you're going to reveal a spill card. And the spill card usually will basically force you to lose ingredients so even if you were ready to prepare one drink uh, you know that those spills can come in effect and well too bad now you need another round to prepare those drinks because you spill your drinks right so that's very thematic as well and I like that there's other color of marbles which is the translucent or transparent and those ones basically work as a wild so that's pretty cool now on the game on this version I got some promos where basically they allow you to play more uh, wild uh, marbles in a way, so they're more, you know, to to give to give the way to give the game some variety and I guess some speed up as you are playing with these promos. So those are very co- very cool. Once again, I got them on Gencon. I don't know if they're if you're able to find them on the retail versions, but I'm pretty sure that if you go to the 25th Century website, you might be able to you know order them or. If you're going to go to any convention this year, such as Origins, Gen Con, or Essen, I'm sure you will be you will be able um, to grab those promos if you want to. Um, well, so how it's going to be? Like I said, we have three different orders, three different rounds. So as soon as someone fulfills all their drinks on their order, that's why you can choose up to four. You can choose three. You can choose two or every one. You're going to place a lime on your order tracking. That way you know that you fulfill fulfilled your first order. All right, then you're going to do the same for the second order. You're going to choose how many drinks you want to make for your second order. Do you want to do up to four? Do you want to do three? Do you want to do two? At that point, you're going to be doing the same on your turn, rolling the dice, purring, uh, drawing uh, marbles from the bag, and then placing them in a clockwise order on the containers. In that way, you can start to mix those ingredients and start to pour them on your cocktails. Now, on the round three, which is the last call, at that point... Once you're done with that, uh, you're gonna cash it in, you're gonna fulfill your drinks just like we did before, and then you're gonna get as a bonus that $3 chip. So those are three extra victory points at the end of the game. And I'm sorry, the five one. And at that point, um, you know, you're giving one more round to the other players to finish their turns, and that's it. How are you going to be scoring? Well, every drink is going to come with a cost, like I mentioned. Like I put the example of the old fashioned or the martini Apple or Apple Tiny, which it costs $4. Every time that you fulfill a drink, you're going to be placing it face up, face down, face down, face down on the side of the board. Those are victory points. Also, are you as you fulfill the the drinks you're going to get those tip cards and those tip cards if you don't use them for their abilities you, they also going to give you well you guess that a that different amount or extra amount that is going to be as the tip and those ones will be also victory points if the ones that you use for their abilities well and you decided to use them as a planes or or for only a, for other advantage well they will be faced down They're not going to be worth anything towards the end of the game. Um, And the player who has the most money at the end of the game wins. Just as simple as that. And, like i said that 's why it's important in the first round to decide well, do you want to grab three drinks? do you want to grab two drinks? do you want to grab four drinks and that 's where the strategy can fall up can fall in where is that well, do I want to rush the game in that way I can finish it, but at the same time, even if you try to rush it, probably the other players try to fulfill more drinks than you, even if they were even if they went as a, with a slow uh, you know steady pace um, than you, and they might get more money at the end so that's that's something in consideration so as we jump right now into uh, my impressions of the game, let me tell you something that I already told you, actually. The production of the game, this game is great. I really like the quality on the cards. Even if I sleeve everything, you know, I'm sure that this game would be perfectly fine without sleeves. Matter of fact, I played it recently uh, two times, one with my copy, which he was asleep, and one of my friends, Jonathan, which he was on sleeve, and no problem at all. The cards are very good quality, uh, you know, the quality that you should expect on this type of games. The boards are probably my favorite thing on the game, because once again, they actually look like a bar menu, like one of those little folders that they can give you in a bar, In that way you can open them and take a look at what they have. Well, they did a perfect job with that. And the details, you know, the shiny and how it says on the rock, uh, on the rocks, I'm sorry. And then as you open your tableau, the designated spaces for the marbles, the designated spaces for the ingredients, the extra ingredients, the discarded section, everything, everything, it's awesome. It's very well done. Probably the least, uh, you know, the least, uh, I guess, impressive component will be the cardboard limes, just because those are cardboard and that's it, very, very, very standard. But other than that, the menus or the tableaus are fantastic. The little uh, uh board or tableau that you get for uh, placing the gold marbles and the black marbles, those are great. The dice, very good quality, very, they feel very great in the hand, you know, to roll, they're awesome. The poker chips for the currencies and the bonus, I mean, you probably can hear here. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, they are awesome. Oh, I always appreciate when, a game <laughs> gives you poker chips like this, they feel awesome. Matter of fact, like Western Legends, for example, uh, pu- putting a parenthesis here, uh, I went all in on the Kickstarter, and one of the things that I'm looking forward to play with is those poker chips for Western Legends. That's it. We close parenthesis. We keep, we keep going with Underbox. The, the containers, the plastic containers, they are cool, you know? They save their purposes, and that's great. I actually really appreciate that the game including these containers, because, um, you know, it would be okay-ish or it would be the common thing that this game would be like, okay, well, now you pour the marbles in five different containers and that's it. Like, they don't provide you with the containers. Well, here they are and they're, they're very good. Uh, I really like also the insert on the box. And that's something that I want to mention because even if I leave everything, you know, with the promos, which it was like 20 or 25 more cards, Everything fits nicely on the on the insert. I had to manipulate it a little bit, but everything fits nicely there. So if you're like me that just leave all your board games, you won't have any problem. The bag where you draw the, the, the ingredients for, it's a very, you know, normal black cloth uh, bag. Would it be awesome if they would give you like a personalized drawing bag, you know, for on the rocks, but they didn't. Now, this game also, as I mentioned, it plays um, one to four players, and it has a solo mode. Now, regarding the solo mode, it's basically um, trying to, you know, kind of like a beat your own score, but, you know, it's kind of like, okay, so you get the score, and then you're trying to, you know, basically fulfill the the same uh, concept as a competitive game, but it will be trying to Basically fulfill or improve your score as you play. More so, such as it's more like as a training without getting any real alcohol. <laughs> trying to make drinks without getting any real alcohol in your body, but that's the solo mode. It the game comes with uh, four different player aids, which of course for every player. And it's very nice because it basically walks you through to the whole through the whole round and then it gives you some tips on the other side of the board. So those are good and it's always appreciated. Uh, you know I'm a big fan that when a game puts on the back of the of the rule book or in this case with some cool player aids, in that way you can, you know, walk through the game easier and in that, that way it will be easier at the time of teaching the game. Um for example, on the on the back on the rulebook, you don't find any uh, player aid. Is you, the only thing that you find is the Kickstarter backers. So that's cool. You know, it was six hundred and sixty three Kickstarter backers. Uh, so that was that was awesome that they recognized the, bar- the backers through there. Uh, anyway, what do I think about on the rocks? I think once again the production is fantastic. I think um, this is a game, and this is where we have to be careful. This is a game that it will be great for um, people that are new to the hobby. Um, You know, this is a game that uh, if you're not new in the hobby and you like this theme of mixology, you will enjoy it. Uh, This is a game that it won't require you too much strategy per se, even if you have those uh, breakthrough points where, for example, as I mentioned, you want to get more uh, drinks or less drinks and that way you can finish first before the other ones. Well, that doesn't really matter because at the end, you're just having fun and drawing ingredients and trying to fulfill the drinks. Um so there's not too much strategy on it. Even if it's a game that it's has that possibly mechanic, it's very easy. So it's nothing like like oh my god, like every time that I play I haven't been in a situation like oof, you know, the tension is there, what do I do? now? it's more like about having fun, getting the ingredients, putting them then on your tableau, trying to make your drinks and you know, I, and so on and so forth. Um I don't think this is a game that it's heavy by any means. I don't think this is a game that if you're looking for something that it will require you you know, a lot of thinking, a strategy, uh, you know, depth, no, you, you won't get that here. This is more like a fun game, a game that can be uh, very helpful for new, uh, you know, members of the hobby, or if you are, a, a you know, heavy gamer, but you want to get something that you can play basically with anyone, then I feel like this is a game that, that you can think of, especially if you like that theme like me of, you know, of um, uh, mixing drinks and, And all that cool stuff uh, that most of the adults will like. Um, You know, as we go into BGG and see where they rate the game, it has a 7.2, which I don't think is that low. But anyway, Uh, it was published in 2021. And uh, the rank overall is five thousand six hundred and eighty. And once again, it's forty to ninety minutes, fourteen euro plus. Uh, you know, and one to four players. The designers, once again, Michael Petrie and Christina Petrie as well. Actually, Christina Petrie also was the artist of the game, which I really like the art on the game. Uh, what else? What else am I missing of the game? I think it, I think it's great. I think it's a fun game, honestly. Do I recommend it? Yes. Uh, for only solo, no. Uh, unless you're a, 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 you know, if you want to have it more like a collectible thing that you know that you want to have a mixology game uh, but it's strictly for solo I wouldn't recommend it if you have a, a light group of friends that you can play this game with sure if you want to uh, use it as to try to bring more people in the hobby that let's say that you have a couple of friends or, or family members that you know that they actually like mixology and they love being at bars and stuff well this is a game definitely that probably you can attract them you know using the theme as a, as, a, as a hook, I guess. And then show them a fun game and having a fun time. I think uh, for competitive, um, the game, I, I highly recommend it. Just you know, taking in consideration all those points that I just mentioned. Uh, my rating for the game, do I rather play solo or competitive? Of course. Competitive will be the way to do it. Uh, and the rating that I will give to this game, it will be a 3.5. Uh, when I remember when I played it the first time, there's, there's a couple of things that on the game, you can tell that... I don't know if we can call them flaws, or or or, or weaknesses, but as, as I was playing it on GenCon, I remember like after hours, you know, after the convention, and we go into the gaming hall, and we, I was trying with some uh, friends that they like to play heavy games. Uh, um, a lot of them they were complaining that there was something on the game that they didn't like. For example, as I was mentioning on the round. Uh, you can choose any cup for the ingredients. That's it. Like, you choose one of the cups, you pour all the ingredients in your tableau, and you try to, you know, uh, comply with all the drinks, and then you finish a drink, and you keep going. Then the other player rolls the dice, let's say they get a nine, then they draw nine marbles from the bag, you know, randomly, and start to pour them in a clockwise order in those containers, and then they choose one container, and so on and so forth. The problem was, or according to them, the problem was that as soon as you were pouring the ingredients, let's say you grab a cup with 15 ingredients, right? 15 marble. Then you pour them on your tableau. You try to accommodate the ones that you need. You put three on the extra ingredients in slots. And then if you have eight ingredients left over, there's no uh, penalization. Uh, And they were comparing this game, for example, to versus Azul, which is a game that I love. Azul, right? Like it has that possibly um, aspect as well. But at the same time, if you get more uh, tiles than what you need, well, they're going to cost you at the end of the round negative points. Here it doesn't have that penalization mechanic i guess so by avoiding that penalization mechanic i guess you take away from the game that uh, thinky aspect or the, or that uh, in depth or strategy aspect but at the same time i feel like this game was meant to be what it is a fun easy light game that anybody can enjoy, that you don't have to stress too much about it, just have fun, enjoy the game with the components and the theme, and just have a good time. I think that's what it was. But at the same time, that's why I mentioned already, if you are looking for something more in-depth, meaning like something like Azul, well, uh, I think Azul has definitely more uh, strategy on it and more tension and all that good stuff that we also like. But, I, I mean, you have to take to get this game for what it is. So... Once again, this was on the rocks. I wanted to mention the negative aspect as well that I just did. Uh, and that's why, uh, and because of all of this, I gave this game a 3.5. And I think you should give it a try if you have the right uh, group of players that you can enjoy with. And now, moving forward, moving forward to the other game of the night, to the second game of the night or the day or this evening, um, you know, before we jump into the big one, uh, I want to talk about a game that you know. The other night, uh, probably like when was it? Probably like three months ago or something. I was um, you know watching uh, One Stop Cop Shop, which is a, a YouTube channel that I highly recommend. You guys should go and check, check it out. Amazing people work there, uh, and they put up put up some great content for solo gamers. Anyway, uh, my friend uh, Michael Kelly, he was playing a game from David Thompson. Uh, which Devin Thompson is the designer, for example, of Undaunted, which is a game that I really like. Um, and he was playing a German version of Switch and Signal. Now, this is a game. It's it's a train game. <laughs> all aboard. Uh, it's a cooperative train game that it was released or is released by Cosmos. Uh, the Polish is Cosmos. But it was originally released only in Germany. German. That's it. All right. But at the same time, uh, I don't think it's uh, strongly language-dependent. Uh, of course, there are some abilities that you have to, I guess, uh, translate, but other than that, it's more about uh, you know colors and symbols. So anyway, uh, Michael Kelly was playing it, and he highly recommended Then recently, uh, I did an annual trip that I do with my two good friends, Caleb and Jonathan, to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and usually we get ourselves... Loaded with board games when we go over there. Why? Because I'm going to advertise just one time ever. We were at miniature Market and we just get a bunch of games. Um, Anyway, I decided to get Switch and Signal because of the recommendations of Michael Kelly. And I give it a try. I actually enjoy watching his video a lot. Then I give it a try by myself already three times. And the game was great. So while it's switching signals, you may be wondering, well, it's a game, once again, by Debbie Thompson, and it's All Aboard, a cooperative train game. That's right. If you like Ticket to Ride and you like trains like me, well, this is the cooperative game, my friend, the solo games that you can play. As soon as you open the box, once again, we're unboxing this box right now with you. We have the rulebook, which is a very straightforward, uh, eight double pages, double-sided rulebook. And basically tells you all aboard, right? The game overview and objective. Together, you control the train routes in Central Europe or North America, depending on which side of the game board you play. Uh, You're going to pick up goods, cubes from different cities, and transport them to the destination port. Roll the special die to see how far your, uh, your slow, medium, or fast trains will be able to travel. With Action Cards, you determine where you set your switches and signals to enable your trains to progress. In addition, helpers on both sides of the game board support you with special actions. At the beginning of each turn, a Departure card is revealed that determines whether new trains will be deployed and which trains will be running. Uh, The more trains come into play, the closer you need to keep an eye on what's going on. Believe me, you really have to keep an eye. On the final Departure card... Uh, Once the final departure card has been revealed, you only have until the end of that round to reach the goal. And you or we will win as soon as you or we have delivered all the goods to the destination port. And that's the idea of the game. What what are we going to find on the game? A double-sided board, one with Europe and one side with North American. Uh, You're going to get nine trains, um, you know, three gray, three uh, brown, three black. Uh, Two deployment dies, wooden dies, which are very standard quality. Uh, And then three uh, movement dyes, one gray, black, and and brown. And they will determine the speed of the trains. Uh, And also the goods cube, on yellow, uh, red, blue, white. The signal disks, the green ones that they will allow you to go uh, on some of those routes. And three switch disks that you will have to be manipulating as you're trying to complete your uh, trips. Uh, and then on each side of the board, like I mentioned on the, on the explanation of the rules or the overview of the game, you will have uh, three guys or three per- people that will allow you with special abilities to uh, try to be successful on your mission. So what do you want to do to play the game? Well, first, you're going to decide where you want to be. You want to be in Europe or in North America. And with, without going any further, I really appreciate that the North American side actually they include two regions from Mexico: Los Mochis, Sinaloa, and Monterrey, Nuevo Leon, Mexico. Uh, and you have these regions as well where you can go or when where your trains can depart through. So from I'm sorry. So those are great. So what are you gonna do on your turn? Well, first of all, you're gonna have the setup. Once you decide which um, you know area you're gonna play on, the rulebook will tell you well. Okay, place, place these signals here. So one in each city. Uh, and each city will have different signals. Uh, most of them will be in red, but you will have this green cube that you're going to be able to move around in the way you can open those routes. And also, it's going to have some intersections so a bunch of intersections, but you're going to play your uh, blacks, black discs, I'm sorry, where you're going to be trying to switch them uh, positional-wise in that way you can open a space in the way your trains can go through. And then you're going to have uh, up to 12 numbers uh, which there will be cities where you can depart it from. So at the beginning of the game, once you have all the switches and signals set up, you're going to roll the dice, and you're going to be placing uh, one train uh, of each color on a random uh, departure zone. Then at that point, you're ready to begin the game. What Every player on our turn, we're going to have five cards, and those cards are either representing a black color, which it will be to move uh, the black discs on the boards, or, or to switch the black disc, I'm sorry, on the intersection on the board. Another know that, that is going to be the green uh, card, which those ones will allow you to switch uh, some of the lights. Instead of being red, They will, you can turn them green, and that way your train can pass through there. Uh, but of course, as you're moving one green disc to another side of the city, well, now the other side of the city is closed, so you have to think about, you know, in that way when you're having a lot of trains. Anyway, uh, you're also going to get some wild cards, which they are for movement. Which they they basically they basically will allow you to move your trains. You're gonna choose uh, a, a one particular train. You're gonna roll the die, and then you're gonna keep moving with that train uh and and then you can also with these cards you can spend two to get a wild action and while i'm talking about actions let me tell you how the game works so you're going to get five cards in the round like i mentioned and at that point you have different options which is the one that i describe you either play a card to uh, manipulate the black discs uh, play a card to manipulate the green uh, disc which those are the switches or the signals um And then you can also play the movement card, which is the wild. You can also spend two cards, any two cards, to play uh, one of those three actions in the way, sort of like a wild. Uh, At the same time, when you are in a city, you can discard one card to uh, load up uh, uh, a good in your train. So each train can carry only one good. Uh, And then the idea is to take those goods to the ports, right? If you're playing in the North American side, you're going to have two ports. If you're playing in the European side, you're going to have one port. Uh, Also, another thing that you're going to find on the game is that you're going to get time tokens. And you're going to set up these time tokens at the beginning of the game as well. Uh, And this is important because I'm going to tell you how they're going to work. So now that we have all the actions to understand, um, let's play the game, right? So at the beginning of your turn, when you have those five cards with you, you're going to reveal... One uh, event card basically or their party cards. And those cards were gonna determine a different thing s- such as uh, placement of a new train. So they're going to ask you to place a new train on the board. And to do this, well, you're going to select which color. You're going to roll the die, the deployment dice, and then you're going to place the train on an open city. Now, if you roll, let's say, a seven, and a train is already on that seven, on a, on that city, well, of course, you cannot de- you cannot depart through a train. So the, you won't depart through anything, but you're going to lose two time tokens, okay? So the ones that I told you to set up on the board, you're going to take them out. Then every time... That one of your train either faces a black disc or a red light, that means that they cannot advance any further. You also gonna lose time tokens f- according to the number of spaces that you couldn't move forward. For example, let's say. One of my black trains is just behind a black disc that is blocking his way. And I side or an event car or whatever makes me move that black train. I'm going to roll the black movement die. And let's say it was a four. Well, the train cannot go any, any further because the black uh, disc is stopping him. So at that point, I'm going to lose another four tokens. And you can be losing tokens in many ways, such as if uh, the trains collide per se, you're going to lose time tokens. Uh, if you can advance time tokens, if you cannot deploy trains, time tokens. Uh, the idea of this is once you lose all the time tokens from the board you're going to remove one uh, of the departure cards from the bottom of the deck you're going to move it uh, way back to the box and that's it it's gone from the game and this is because the uh, departure cards work as a timing for the game so at the beginning of the game also you're going to take one departure card randomly back to the box so in theory if everything goes well you're going to have 17 rounds to, or 17 turns to try to bring all the goods to all the ports. The problem is that as you are as you as you are running out of time and wasting tokens, well, you're also uh, kind of decreasing that length for the game, and of course, it's harder for you to accomplish all the all the goals, right? Which is bring the goods to the city, uh, to the ports. Um, so that's where, where the strategy comes in It's a very possibly game because also there are certain conditions that you need to follow as you play the game. For example, if you place a train following a, a, a facing some direction, that's it. You cannot switch the direction of the train. So the train is going to keep going as soon as that train has an open route. So of course you can move some rounds and some switch and signals and that train can turn to the right and then keep going or going to a city or going to a different city that you didn't plan to. Uh, because you couldn't move the switch or signals, but uh, the trains can never change direction unless they get into a city, pick up some goods, and then they can switch directions if they want. Um, but that's how you're going to be playing the game. Basically, the idea is to bring all the goods to the ports, uh, but you have to play with that possibly part of playing certain cards, moving some switch and signals, and moving the trains, but then the departure cards also can force you to move trains that you don't want, so you lose time, and then if you lose time, eventually you can lose cards from the Departure deck and you can lose the game. So far, I have played it three times. I haven't, I haven't been able to win the game, even if using the abilities of those um, personnel that you have on the board that help you. For example, on the, on the European side... You have a guy that basically lets you reroll a die, and you get the second result. Another one that allows you to change uh, the switch, and another one that basically avoid the movement on any train. In case of a uh, departure card mandated you to move train, well, you can block. You can block this card for this turn with this guy helps. On the North American side, it will be something similar. Like if you draw a card that you don't like, you can put that card on the bottom of the deck. Those are one-time abilities, and then you can draw the next one and y- then just do it. Other uh, lady that also help you with the signal and things like that so uh, you have three abilities that you can use uh, once per game to try to help you to improve your odds to win the game and i think i think this game is hard (laughs) to be honest there's also actually in the rulebook it it gives you a variant like if you want to make the game easier you need to do this and that Uh, so there's that option as well but it's a hard game especially with those departure cards and it's a it's a short game because um, once again, I play it solo, which is, it doesn't have a designated solo version per se, but since it's a fully cooperative, of course you can, you can play two players and, and you will be willing to do it just fine. Um, you know, and it took like 45 minutes, um, each time and actually is very strict to what the box says. Uh, let's look at, um, you know, what, uh, BGG says on, on, for this game. Uh, so switching signals on BGG has, uh, ranking of two thousand uh, eight hundred and forty, the place a seven point two on rating, just as Um and it's a two to four players, forty five minutes, age ten year plus, uh, language dependence, which I don't think that much because once again you could get the German version and just uh, look for the for those six abilities for those characters and that's it. You know you don't need anything else. And once again, is decided by David Thompson, which which another very nice thing that I discovered in the game is that David Thompson. Uh, made this game for uh, his parents because his parents, they uh, according to what it says in the rulebook, they love uh, railways games, you know, train games, and he decided to make a cooperative game with this theme in that way uh, his parents could enjoy. So that that's very nice, and it's a game that a lot of people were enjoying now. Um, things about this game is hard, you know, it's it's hard. That's not a pro or a con. It's just. The game is hard. Uh, The game has a theme, of course, of the of trains, but it's more. uh, I feel like it's more a puzzling game that you know. It feels like more attached to the to the puzzly side than than the theme, in my opinion. But you know, the theme is there. In school, the components are pretty. You know, they're they're nice. Like the trains, the the minis are nice. They have space for the goods. Once again, each train each train can only carry one good, so they will have like a little space for one cube. Uh, The goods. Um, wooden cubes nothing spectacular the discs wooden disc nothing spectacular the design on the board i really like it It, it's a nice design you know um uh, very uh i guess if if i may say uh but everything it doesn't look busy on the board or anything like that i mean it it looks great i mean everything is very well defined um uh, the dice i mean they're wooden dice but you know, they're it's nothing crazy. They're 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 you know wooden dice, and and they're always appreciated. Um, you know, the cards very standard quality. They are standard American size, uh, a little bit smaller than the, our usual standard cards, uh, but they they are, they are nice. That you get some cardboard tokens because there's a variant that you can randomize the deploy, um, basically cities. So instead of having the, the designated ones on the board, you can randomize them a little bit more if if you want. Um, and 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 that's it. I mean, as far as components goes, well, there's no insert on the box. I mean, you just put everything there. It, it won't it won't it won't be clustered or anything like that. Uh, and that's uh, switching signal. Uh, do I like the game? I really do. <laughs> I actually really do. Uh, and this makes me uh, chase uh, down more games from David Thompson and try to get more David Thompson games uh, to my table. Um, I think it's a great game. I think it's a possibly game. You know, uh, if if someone would have told me like, "Hey, Derek, let me let me introduce you to this possibly train game," I probably would have been like, "Well, let's see, right?" Because I'm not a huge fan of possibly games. But I was glad that I that I watched Michael Skelly's video and he recommended it. That I actually decided to pick up this game, and and I really liked it. Uh, it's a hard game, like I said. It it's a hard game. Uh, do I rather play this game solo or cooperative? I think, I think, this is a game that is that it will be good enough for one or two players, um, because I can definitely tell that this game, uh, you know, could have that weakness that a lot of cooperative games have as well. That is the the alpha player, uh, even if he has on the rule books, it stays like, hey. You know, there you can do table talk during the game, but you're not allowed to, to show, you know, your cards to anyone else. I mean, I still think that it could be falling onto those games, like that someone will be kind of like guiding the game as you play. And, you know, we have talked about this in the past. I'm not a huge fan of Alpha Player. I much rather sacrifice a game, to be honest, to avoid the Alpha Player. Like if it was up to me, <laughs> I probably wouldn't make this game if I'm playing with three of three of or or more people, to the point like, hey, you know what, um, we can either discuss very like very 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 lightly, um, or or just share our plans kind of in a in a, in a tricky way, or probably don't even like talk about at all. Like we just try to do our best for to to work with what we have, uh, because I feel like it can have that alpha player, um, you know, I, I call it weakness on it. Uh, when you play two players, I don't think it will be that that bad just because, I mean, there's more to take care of with only two players trying to handle it. And it will be similar to if you play solo. So that's why I think this game works better either solo or two players than three or four players on, on the table because of the alpha player at risk, I guess uh other than that i think the game is great i highly recommend it honestly like um you know if you like trains this is definitely a game if you like ticket to ride it's nothing like ticket to ride but it's a cooperative train game and that's always good i don't think there are too many train games out there that you know for us for solo gamers uh so so that's great Uh, i give this game a solid four to be honest i think on bgg they're going low and i think it's because of the puzzly aspect of it probably that goes away a little bit from the theme in my opinion but who cares i mean the theme is there it's just that weird thing that it's more like a puzzling game versus a, a, a a train game per se i mean because i feel like you can put spaceships and trying to fulfill to go to different planets and it will still work but The trains really, really bring it up. Uh, And I think it's a cool theme, you know, because we don't see that many out there. Simple as that. Um, I give this game a four. I think it's highly recommended for solo gamers, highly recommended for two-player gamers. uh, And, you know, even if you're going to try it with three or four, well, just be aware of the alpha player aspect of it. And this was, once again, Switching Signal uh all, all aboard the cooperative train game uh published by Cosmos and designed by David uh, Thompson. And now, my friends, <laughs> let's jump into the big, big uh you know stake of the of tonight's dinner, right? Or this evening lunch, which is our Wonderland's war game. Wonderland's war, my friends, uh published by Skybound Tabletop. Um this game it was a Kickstarter game, uh, of course, with an all-in pledge. <laughs> and uh, it's been in the hotness recently. Like a lot, a lot of people have been talking about it. A lot of people want to play it. A lot of people want to try it. Um, and when it was on Kickstarter, I decided, of course, to go with the all-in pledge, which included the looks components. Uh, you know, some deluxe um, baggy bags, I guess, uh, drafting bags. Uh, And also, you know, some cool miniatures because of, as you know me, I love miniatures. Uh, Where to start with Wonderland's War? Well, let's start with the theme, right? The theme, of course, it's Alice in Wonderland. Uh, But it's not the traditional Alice in Wonderland story that, you know, that you may think of. So what's happening here is that everything, everything is madness now in Wonderland. Uh, You know, you, everything went crazy. That simple as that. Everything went crazy and not because of the Mad Hatter, because of everything. And now, you're going to have your faction of heroes, right, that you can play with. Uh, so you're going to have, you know, the, the lady with the hearts, which I don't remember, the queen of hearts. You have Alice you will have uh, another guy, which is like a dragon, which I don't remember his name, the Mad Hatter, and the cat, the crazy cat. Uh, you're going to have those characters, which they will be uh, your options for the different factions on the game. As soon as you open the box, which is a big, big, big box, uh, you're going to find uh, the rule book which is, um, right now, I'm going to tell you, let me open it way so I can tell you how many pages, it's a 24 double-sided pages rulebook. Another thing that you're going to find, it's a nice two-pages two, two pages diagram that you can have as you try to follow the chart uh, to what to do on your turn. If you went in the Kickstarter like me, you're going to get A Tale for Tea Time uh, by Manny Tremblay and Ben Kepner, which basically tells you the story or have keeps you on the mood to uh, for the game. Uh, and, of course, you're going to get the catalog for Sky uh, Skybound uh, games. This game is designed by Ben Eisner, Tim Eisner, Ian Moss, and Manny Tremblay. Um, what are we going to do in Wonderland's War? Well, there's a lot of we're going to do it in Wonderland's War. First of all, first of all, once we know our factions, we're going to go and have a tea party at the table. At that point, we're going to be trying to build our backs with good, good abilities in that way we can try to gain territory in Wonderland and defeat our opponents. How this is this going to work? Well, you're going to have your tableau. And the whole setup, it's a lot of stuff on the board. It's a lot of stuff on your personal tableaus. So I'm going to try to make it easier. There's a, a few tutorials out there on, on YouTube that you can watch if you want to see how the all the rules and everything else. But I'm just going to try to go very, very, very easy and straightforward how the game works. So at the beginning of the game, you're gonna have your faction chips that you're gonna put on your bag. Um, you're also gonna get a forge chip, which it will allow you to, you know, uh, um, improve some abilities on your tableau. Uh, and then you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna have a one level uh, each chip of one level one creature that you're gonna get on the game as well. So creatures or 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 allies. You're gonna start with a set of allies at the beginning of the game, and those are the sh- the chips that you're gonna be drawing from, or tr- with. You're going to be trying to improve your back at the same time as rounds go by. So the first thing you're going to do after a normal setup on the board, you're going to do your personal setup where you're going to get your character strength. You're going to check your character's abilities, which they start block. You're going to start with a shield as well that is going to help you to protect. You're going to get your back with your uh, faction chips, with your uh, forge chips, with your level 1 allies chips, and also some madness chips that they play like crazy on this posture lock war. Ah, uh, that's right my friend because he has some partial log aspect of the game as well after that we are ready for the tea party at the table so we're going to be drawing the game is going to be playing in three different rounds and every round is going to have a deck of cards at the beginning of the tea party we're going to be drawing cards according to the number of players in that way we can fulfill several spots on the table at that point um we're going to have already designated where our war phase is going to begin in different areas on the Wonderland that they surround the table. Uh, Then we go into the Tea Party. And at that point, whoever is the first player, they can advance all the places they want on the table in order to land there, drink a cup of tea, and get a card. And those cards usually will allow you to place... Uh, some followers, some Wonderland followers that you have at the beginning of the game, uh, to place them in different areas on Wonderland. Why? Because each area is going to score different amount of points according to the round that we are playing in. So let's say with Alice, let's say I'm playing with Alice, I decided to place her on a card that will probably allows me to uh, you know, pick up that card, putting on the my tableau, put three, fo- place three followers wherever I want, and also more than anything, will uh, either give me an ally, which is another wonderline in miniature that I can place at that point uh, on any region, and it will give me a, a different amount of strength, or I can uh, gain more chips into my bag. You know, more allies chips into my bag to improve that back building in a way. Or it can uh, allow me to get a quest, which it will be personal goals that they can give me victory points towards the end of the game as well and during the game. Or uh, it can do something else, like probably remove madness uh, shards from my board. Because every time that you go back to the head of the table, that will be the only way where you can redraw uh, tea, uh, tea party cards, right? Right from this tea party phase uh, and to uh, refill all those spaces that are empty. But every time that you go through there, you have to roll one die that it can give you either one, two, or three shards, three manner shards, on your board. And I will tell you how those works in a little bit. So every player is going to keep doing that, you know, moving through the tea party table, trying to get more bonuses, building their bag a little bit better with uh, better chips, trying to get allies and place them on different regions, trying to get followers and place them in different regions. And once everybody has four cards on their tableau, that means they get to do something four times, up to four times, then the war phase will begin. And at that point... We're gonna go to each section of Wonderland and wherever we have where we have followers, we're gonna start to fight At the beginning of the fight phase, we're gonna have a preter- the predeterminated strength according if our leader is there, what is the strength of our leader or if we have any allies there that improve our strengths or any castles if we build castles from previous rounds, they're gonna improve our, our strength as well. Uh, and anyway, we're gonna start uh, the fight each of us, the ones that we are involved. On the track of the strength track, and then we're gonna be drawing at the same time in a pusher log mechanic uh, chips from our back. and those chips will give us more strength, and we're gonna keep advancing on the strength track. At any point, the battle can end if the opponent doesn't have any more followers on that area, and at that point, the um, the other player busted, and basically you won the fight. The other the other way to win the fight is if some whoever gets into twenty five strength quicker um, wins the fight as well. And if it happens that let's say the first round we're fighting in certain area for eight victory points and none of us busted, it's just that, you know, someone got to to 25 before everybody else or everybody, everybody else decided to stop. But someone, of course, is winning the fight. Well, at that point, the first player will get the full amount of points and the second one will get half points. If there's a tie, well, both players will get points. Um, and that's how you're going to be playing. Now, how can you lose the battle? You may think, well, the madness tokens that you place at the beginning of the game on your back, every time that you draw them, you're going to lose followers on that section. Even if you're out of followers, that's it. You don't lose, you don't win anything. Your strength goes to zero and you lose uh, any opportunity on that particular region. Or, If at the end of the Tea Party, you are the one that has the most uh, Madness Shards, you will get Madness Tokens, and then these card shards have uh, up to half round up. So that's why it's important that on the Tea Party, you choose wisely which cards you want to get, and you don't want to be just making rounds on the table because you're going to be rolling that die that is going to give you um, Shardness um, uh, Crystals uh, or Madness uh, Shards. And then, if you are the one with most, well, you're gonna be getting more madness tokens on your on your back and you don't want that. There's a shield that has a one time use, unless you refill it, uh, that can basically allows you to bring to put one token back into the bag and then draw another one, or draw probably the same if you have a bad luck. Uh, but that's that's one way to protect yourself, um, and you're gonna be playing placing those these tokens as the fight keeps going. Once the fight ends. All the chips that were in the active side on the board, which basically they help you to improve your strength, they're gonna go into the exhausted side of the back. You're not gonna return them to the back at that point yet. And then we're gonna go to the next zone of Waterland to fight again if you have followers there. So that's a big thing you want to think about when you as you're fighting, if you want to stop the fight or something, because probably you have more fights in different other areas. And remember that the, the tokens or the chips that you're drawing. Well, they're going to go to the exhausted area, but they're not going to go to your back until you get full of madness. How do you get full of madness in a way? Well, once you draw your four madness um, chip or token, at that point, you're going to refresh everything, everything that is on the exhausted side. The active will go to exhausted and you're going to refresh all the exhausted and all the madness ones. They're going to go back to the back. And that's the way that you can have all the chips again that's why the chip building mechanic or phase of the tea party is very important as well as you improve the chips that you're going to be drawing you know during the battle um, uh, phase in a way so anyway we're going to resolve all the battles and then uh, we're gonna go to round two we're gonna go another set of grab another different set of cards for round two we're gonna set up the tea party and we're gonna do it again and then the third time we're gonna do it again every th- every time that you win it, that you win a battle on a on a different area. You're gonna set up a castle, which it will give you uh, from three to all the way up to, from three or, or to six victory points at the end of the game, depending on how you improve by forging your abilities on your board. Which those forging tokens, which basically will allow you to unlock different things, uh, or getting more followers, getting more victory points for your castles and things like that. Every castle will always give you to strength at the beginning of each battle so that's something to to think about it on the first round in that way you can go a little bit more powerful in the second and third round there's a lot going on in the game i'm just trying to make it very simple how it works Um, and at the end of the game whoever has more victory points and you know after fulfilling quests and all this stuff well is the winner of the game Uh, Like I said, there's a lot of rules in between of each personal tableau. It's a very asymmetric game. Like, each character will have different abilities, different ways to improve, uh, different things they can do every turn. Uh, But the core mechanic of the game will be, first, uh, trying to, you know, in a way, gather cards for action selection, try to bring, uh, you know, uh, more chips to your back, kind of like a deck building, but it's like a chip building way. So you have that first mechanic. Then you have the area control at the same time whereas where is where you're placing all your followers in different areas in that way you can fight on those areas and be more powerful on those areas and then it has a pusher log, which is on the war phase which is where you're drawing randomly for your bag and, and hoping for the best uh one thing that i didn't mention is that let's say you're playing three or more players um if you are not involved in a fight you will have a a, a deck to basically Uh, bet on who is going to be the winner secretly, and you're going to put that character cards face down from your deck, of course, of course. And if you win, well, you're going to get a token or a chip from the supply, which it will once again reinforce your bag. But if the if the player that you bid for um, basically lost the lost the battle, well, then you're going to get a madness chip. So that's another thing that you, it, it's kind of like a, well, kind of like a risking, okay, I think this guy is going to win this battle, so I'm going to bid for him and things like that. So that, it has a mechanic as well. If you're playing with three or more players, the, the, the game is two to five players um, and it's about 25 minutes per player, you know, for 13 euro plus. I think it's a little bit longer than that, uh, especially on, on the first couple of games as you're learning the game. And it's one of those games that, and I'm mixing my impressions now as as we talk about the game and, and as I explain to you how it works. Basically, it's another. It's one of those games that I feel like the more players, the better. It will be a longer game for sure, but it will be a more fun game and more tension and more laughs and more everything. So I feel like this game, even probably five players, will be a great game. I played it two players, three players, four players, and four. I mean, four players was great. I can definitely see five players being super fun, but it it might be a long game, especially once again on the first uh, couple of games as people are learning. The production of the game top notch. It's 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 a fantastic production. You know it it's great. Um, It's one of these games that I want to say that you know when I go kickstarters and things like that, I'm a little bit guilty of FOMO. Fear of missing out or, or a little bit guilty or too much guilty of trying to get um, everything that I can, everything that I can afford, right? Like neoprene mats and, and, and you know, miniatures and all that stuff. For this game in particular, comparing the deluxe version versus the retail version, I think it's a huge difference. And I think the retail version, it's, um, you know, very different and probably not as fun as the deluxe version. For example, you don't get the minis, you get standees. And I get it, you know, standees are probably more convenient if you don't want to paint the minis. But once this, once this game has the painted minis, it's going to look fantastic, even more fantastic of what it is right now on the table. The other thing that I, you know, I think it's a big, a big discrepancy with, between two versions is the the chips or the tokens. If you get the retail version, they are cardboard. If you get the deluxe edition, you get um, basically poker chips, plastic chips, and those are fantastic. Uh, And it also will include you a tray where it's going to be very well organized and very easy to, you know, basically lay them up there and just be grabbing them as you're playing and then for putting back the game, you can place them there. It's like, it's a different box that the game includes basically. But those chips are fantastic. And especially since you're going to be drawing from the bags, cardboard can, you know, bend a little bit or something that then it can fall into, you know, being able to feel which chip is which on the bag and whatever. So I feel because you're drawing like crazy, I think going with with plastic poker kind of like chip tokens is the way to go. And those are fantastic. I think... I think people that get into the game right now that they weren't able to do the deluxe edition on Kickstarter, I think they're really going to feel for it. And, 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 you know, they will try to get those deluxe components as they can. And matter of fact, just a heads up, I think this week or next week, where we are recording, I will tell you the date right now, It's um, we're recording on Sunday, May the 1st. This episode will, re- will be released on Sunday, May the 2nd. I mean, sorry, Monday, May the 2nd. I think this week, and then, or the next one, Skybound is going to have a sale on their website uh, for any leftovers. So, stay tuned for that. Um, but, um, once again, the polisher is Druid City as well. I, I forgot to mention that. Uh, but, yeah. And, and you know, the production is top-notch. Um, actually, that box that comes apart, that you that is for the upgraded uh, chips, once you have everything on the box, that box feels, I mean, fits inside the box so you don't have to care to have two different boxes or something, anything. No, it's a big box where everything can be stored there. So that's awesome. Um, what else? There's something that I don't like, actually, from the game, which is that, you know, the insert, the insert for the cards and tokens and, and, and wooden pieces. I mean, come on. I mean, you did everything great except that part that, once again, I am I know I'm not the only one. I know there's a lot of us that we love to sleep the cards, and especially for this game, I think it's it's good to sleep the cards just because you're shuffling and all that stuff. If you sleep the cards, which they come in different sizes, you have tarot cards, you have uh, standard cards, and then mini European. If you sleep those cards, you're going to be able to fit them on the tray, but they're going to be playing around and moving around. And this is where I think, like, come on! I mean, you did all everything else, everything else to make the storage and components awesome, and you couldn't give like half, half and a half of inch, <laughs> you know, a little bit more space on the tray. In that way, you can fit the sleeve cards. I mean, at this point, I feel like you know, Kickstarter should think about that. Like, th- should think that you know, players leave their cards. Like, just give more space for the sleeve cards, and that's it. And I think that's, that's that's a con for me on this game. Once again, you can fit everything on the box. But I don't want to throw the insert because the wooden pieces fit great there. The cardboard pieces, they fit great there. But it's just the cards that, you know, they will be playing a little bit. It's not a big deal. I know I'm I'm making it, you know, very picky, but it's there. And I wanted to mention, and that's something that, you know, I I wish it could be a little bit different on that particular aspect. Other than that, I think the gra- the game is fantastic. I think uh a two player game it's okay it's not as fun but three four five players game will be you know it, it's 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 a very very good game as as we go to uh um, vgG right now this game has a rating on eight point five uh has a place on a thousand seven hundred and twenty six overall um two to five players once again the looking glass has shattered and war has come to wonderland. Forty-five to one hundred and twenty minutes. Age thirteen euro plus. Language dependence. Um, you know, it has some text that, especially for the quests, um, and they put them in, a cat- in in different categories as far as mechanisms and things like that. Once again, designers: Tim Eisner, Ben Eisner, Ian Moss, and the artist is uh, Manny Trembly. Um, And what do I give this game? Which rating I will give to the Wonderland's War? Uh, I will I will say so far in the three sessions that I have played this game for me it's at this point a 4.7 I feel like as I play it more is definitely more than anything <laughs> will be a 5 out of 5 but for, so far for me it's a 4.7 honestly it's it's an it's an excellent game it's a it's a fantastic game I I cannot recommend it enough I'm so glad that I backed this game um and and the deluxe components are great i cannot wait to paint all the paint all the minis and have them on the board and and show you more pictures on our instagram facebook twitter solo bg podcast there it goes again i mean yeah it's a fantastic 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 game not as good as a two player game but once again three four five it really shines And, and it has that area control aspect which make the games very tense that push your log it's a very fun push your log way to do it you know choosing the cards on the tea party phase of the game it's great there's a lot of rules on the game but they they do a good job on the rule book and giving you those uh, charts to try to follow it and see what we're gonna do after each turn and so on and so forth I mean I think I think it's an awesome game and I cannot recommend it enough uh, especially if you have a group that you can play with, that there are at least three players on that group. So there is there is Wonderland's War, a big box full of fun, a big uh, box full of great production, and a box that, that, you know, it's highly, highly recommended. And I'm glad that they have a different themes other than Vikings and, and you know, uh, Titans and things like that. I mean, I think the, the theme is fantastic as well. Uh, even if, if you don't know too much about Alice in Wonderland, which I certainly do not, know too much. Uh, I think the the, the art on the game and the, and the theme and the, you know, everything the production is just top notch. So I cannot recommend it enough. I'm so happy that once again, I got myself a copy of Wonderland's War. Uh, the next episode is going to be a very fun one. we actually recording it this week as well. So it should be on air next week. Because uh, Jonathan is going to be with me again and we're going to talk about a big, big, big Kickstarter game as well uh which is spoiler alert return to dark tower by restoration games we're going to be talking about that game we're going to go in depth uh you know with that immersive uh and intimidating tower that you face as you play the game with the app, with the adventure, with everything that involves the return to Dark Tower. So stay tuned for that. Uh, with that being said, really quick, once again, thank you so much to everybody that reached out to us, either through our social media or email at podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to all of you that keep listening through different platforms. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. And like I said, everything helps. Every follow, subscription, like, everything helps. So, thank you so much. And like always, remember, till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.
0: Drink tequila, spend summer at a Mexican bar. Steven Austin, Davy Crockett, and I'm driving my car. Maybe life is simple and I'm making it hard. my heart. Texas Road. Nowhere left to go.